Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to 25% and the Gadsden flag. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and it is Friday, July 1st, on the beginning of the 4th of July weekend in the year 2022. Hope you all are planning to have a good relaxing weekend or maybe just hanging around the house doing things necessary to catch up. And of course, we always are going to have to consider the need for a little barbecue. Eat lots of meat because the liberals hate it, more reason to like it. And the World Economic Forum wants you to eat bugs, which we're not going to tolerate that either. So eat beef. That's my solution. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you have a good night's sleep. You're getting good night's sleep and you're using the products to get a good night's sleep. And the way you do that is you go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, which is the Bards Nation's landing page on the MyPillow site. And on that page, the exclusive page for the wonderful Bards Nation, you're going to find all the featured specials that are there. And there's many and they're great and deep discounts on fantastic products, all from a Patriot owned and run country company. We're not a country yet. My pillow's not a country yet, but it might try to be. The way it's going is about all we're going to have left if we don't get a hold of this crazy republic. Anyway, Patriots, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S, to take advantage of those amazing savings over on MyPillow.com. You're going to see all sorts of great savings like the MyPillow Classic down for $19.88. You also have buy one, get one free Giza cotton sheets, and you also have the new all-tread, all-terrain, four-wheel drive, low, low, my slippers. They're supposed to be something else. I mean, they're supposed to make Jeep look like a preschool event. That might be a little exaggeration. But anyway, head on over there. Check them out. They're fantastic products. You're gonna, you're not going to miss anything except make your life better by in taking into the best products on the market by the Patriot Company of MyPillow for a good night's sleep and all your bed and bathroom needs. And if you want to speak to a Patriot Pillow counselor, all you have to do is hit 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939 on your phone, and a Patriot Pillow Counselor is on standby, ready to give you immediate assistance. Use your promo code BARDS to make sure that you are well taken care of and equipped for this fight at hand. All right, Patriots, so we've got an interesting development that's happened, and I find it interesting because of what it constitutes. And I'll just read the headline to you. This actually comes out of the DailyMail.com which is out of the UK, but this is what it says. Sometimes, we, anymore, we have to almost go over to foreign sources to find out what's really going on in our own country. The headline reads, a quarter of Americans say they are ready to take up arms against the government. Poll also finds that more than a third of those currently own guns. It's a very interesting little detail. I'm going to break this down real quickly. What that poll is saying is that of the people they polled, which is 1,000 people, a quarter of them agreed to take up arms. So the headline's a little deceiving, the article's a little convoluted, but this is the meat of it. Now, 
That's 250 people out of 1,000 that said they were willing to take up arms to restore this nation against this current government, which is a tyranny. But what's interesting is only 39% of the 250 that said they would take up arms even owned a gun. So that's kind of telling you where we are in terms of this nation right now. People are honestly seeing how bad things are getting, and they are starting to realize that this government we are dealing with is by definition a tyranny or what our founding fathers would call a despotism. Now, on this weekend, I just want to highlight something going up here. We really need to focus in on our founding documents. I'm going to read some of the declaration tonight. On Monday night, which is 4th of July, I'm going to dedicate the show to our founding documents. I haven't laid out the show yet totally, but I am definitely going to read significant portions, if not all, of the portions of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and all the amendments. Because I don't, I've never done that on this show. We need to do it, and we need to do it more often. So that's something just to remember for Monday night's show. That's the 4th of July show. And we need to start really getting a grasp on this because the state that we're in right now is not enough people have taken time to sit down and read our own founding documents, including our law enforcement and our soldiers. So I've said this before, there's a couple things you need to have in hand in your home in this time in excess. You should have excess Bibles to be able to hand out and encourage people to read and, and guide them to certain scriptures that you feel are important. And you need to have hand out little books, and they're available on Amazon and cheap too. But you need to have a full read of the founding documents. So there's, they'll put out one that's like the Declaration of Independence plus the Constitution. That's what you want. You don't want just the Constitution. Because our Constitution is important to realize that it was the founding document. It's what establishes moral law in our nation. And that's why they never wanted to talk about it. Because it's the critical piece is that, as it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It means those basic rights are given to us, and no matter where you travel, no matter what state you're in, those rights are given to you. So when you look at this document as the top and the overarching document that establishes moral law, now when you get into the reading of the Second Amendment rights or the First Amendment rights, you suddenly look at this very differently because it doesn't say that based on the states you're in, God's gifts to you of your of your endow- your rights that are endowed upon you by your creator are different state to state. There are certain fundamentals that are, are in every single place you travel and ideally anywhere in the world, but at least in the United States, that's true. So life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which when we get into the Constitution and then we get into the Bill of Rights, that gives you some hard details as what some of those aspects of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are. So we go back to this headline here, and it's a very significant shift in the American position that 25% of the people in their survey are looking now at the fact that there needs to be a use of taking up arms against this government. What does that define this government as? It defines it as a despotism. 
Okay, that's important to get. And that's right here in our Declaration of Independence. By, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably to some object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. We are working in an information war where the perception is that we're being told and programmed into us daily that we are the minority that love the Constitution, that the majority are the ones that want the Green New Deal. They're the ones that want to make everybody drive an electric car. All this garbage. It's not true. It's exactly opposite by a massive amount. But unfortunately, we have to start realizing that we have the power. We're still struggling with that because the politics and the information flows are so intentionally divisive that they're keeping everybody separated and apart. And we need to start focusing in, but it's starting to show that it's happening because when you get this many random people on a poll that literally start to coalesce on a common idea, and granted, this is one poll, and I'm sure somebody could come up with 15 other polls with different results, but I would argue that if you put this poll to test with a broader audience, I think that number would probably go up. Now, I'm not encouraging this at all, so I want to be very clear about this, but what I am saying is that the sentiment of the people has shifted radically to a point where they feel that there are no avenues forward right now with a government that is wholly corrupt. So we read this little definition. One-third of Republicans polled held the belief that armed resistance to the government may soon be necessary while 35% of independent voters felt that way and 20% of de Democrats, nearly half of all people polled said that they avoid talking politics with people because I don't know where they stand. That's part of the division. And that's an important perspective. Voters' distrust of elections, which spurned the January 6th event, they said riots, I won't say that word in relation to January 6th, also followed similar lines, though 56% of Americans felt they generally trust they generally trust elections to be conducted fairly and conducted accurately. 56%. Now, that's a country that can no longer exist. That means only half of the population trusts the elections. Now, the problem we're having is to kind of understand how the government is working and under what philosophical principle. And this is a very important principle I'm going to introduce tonight, and I have not talked of it before, and it's called the monopoly on violence. This concept was originally introduced by Max Weber, and it's part of, the, of political philosophy, also known as monopoly on the legal use of violence. And essentially what this is, is this is, in simple terms, it is that the state as an organization that succeeds in, in, in holding the exclusive right to use, threaten, and authorize physical force against the residents of its territory. Such monopoly, according to Max Weber, must occur via a process of legitimation, which is to legitimize it with the people and the belief in the ruling class. Very important principle to understand because right now what you are seeing here and watch how this is working in this socialist insurgency that we're dealing with, actually Marxist, 
is what they're trying to do is they're trying to take away, constantly fighting to take away your right to bear arms, constantly trying to take away your right to defend yourself, and constantly telling you that only the state has authorization to use lethal force or any sort of force at all to protect you, and at the same time telling the police that they need to be delegitimized and their powers need to be taken away. So that what that leads is leads to is a vacuum in the state of power, which is intentional in this design to create chaos. Why would you create chaos? Because in the sense of chaos, what they want then is to provide the solution, which will be a federalized police force that will come in and now start taking control of everything. One of the most powerful elements we have in this nation is a decentralizing of police force. We have an over-policing, in my opinion. We don't need most of the city cops because they need to really be under the sheriff, in my opinion. I don't like the charter in which city police work under most of the time because it's a charter first and not the Constitution first. But it's an important principle to understand that the state, when a government accomplishes a point of having monopoly on violence, they are then migrating rapidly towards a tyranny. Our state country was established in a very unique way and that what it said was they were going to distribute the monopoly on violence among the people. Now, the term may be uncomfortable for some people, and that's just, this is a political philosophy term. I want to be very clear about this because I can already hear somebody going, oh, oh, which by the way, if you didn't hear, Media Matters did a piece, hit piece on the Juan O'Saban interview. And I am once again classified as a QAnon leader. And I'm really getting upset about this because they missed it last time. Last time they called me a QAnon militia leader, and now I got degraded. I'm only a QAnon leader, and I need to tell them this is not true. I'm a warlord, and so I, it's just not working. So we're going to have to keep working on that and see what they can do. But the, the whole thing here is we have to be – we're in such this hypersensitivity to words, which is so stupid – and just like having Wano Saban on, you know, they attack Wano Saban because he's talking. He the quote they're referencing, and why I bring this up specifically, is the references to the fact that he brought up the fact that we could have a civil war if we don't solve twenty twenty. Juan is not incorrect. In fact, the sentiment of the article here that it's showing from this survey. And this survey was done by the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics in May. That survey is directly supportive to what Juan is saying. That people are so frustrated with 50% of the population already saying that they, basically 50% saying they trust the elections, 50% saying they don't. To use their exact numbers, it's 40, 44% of the nation says they trust the, they don't trust the elections, 56% say they do. That's not a stable nation at that point in time. And so what we're, but what we're faced with constantly is this idea that the state can continue to roll up, kick in your door, send in FBI teams, raid your house, all of these things. They, it's because they have the monopoly on violence. And I'm serious when I say this. God forbid if you decide to defend yourself because you don't know who's trying to kick in your door, if you so much as do that, they will kill, capture you and your family, and they will say nothing about it and brush your body under the rug and claim that it was an, an armed insurgent, an armed radical that's trying to take them out. That's what 
That is what is meant by the term monopoly on violence. Not only do they control the right to to use violence, but they control the narrative to justify it. What's unique about our nation is that that whole concept was distributed. And they said that every single person had the right to bear arms and the right, ultimately, to have certain measures of self-defense. It never said that we needed to be on the offensive, but it was always, always about defense. So a critical point here in this is that what you've been witnessing over many years is they try to attack the Second Amendment, and then they've tried to undo Second Amendment authorities and continually to restrict things, go after castle laws, give liability, remove liability protections from gun manufacturers, impose greater liabilities on gun owners, including trying to get people to have to carry insurance and special insurances and different licensing. All of this was designed to ensure that the state, the federal, had the monopoly of violence over the people. And that's exactly reverse of how our founding fathers intended. Our founding fathers intended that the state would always be kept in check by, by the people who, who contained the right, that's the duty part, in the Declaration of Independence, where it specifically says there that it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. That was the balance that kept this country in check, that the monopoly on violence wasn't exclusive to the state, but it was equally given to the people. So there was a detente. And so as you look at the history of our country that way, you begin to understand what they've been trying to do in consolidating the monopoly on violence in the political science term to ensure that the people would be under their thumb. So this is a very important principle as we look here and just what happened this last week with the Supreme Court reaffirming the right to conceal carry, which was the undoing of New York's conceal carry's laws, saying that it was not necessary to have specific requirements. I'm paraphrasing which now has basically put all the concealed carry restrictions on the nation, pulled them back. Not only that, but yesterday the Supreme Court did four more rulings, but they were unsigned. What they did is they had four courts that were trying to still push forward with special events, special type of concealed carry laws. And the Supreme Court sent it back to those courts and said, reconsider based on our previous ruling. Basically, shutting down their, their attempts to find an avenue in to restrict concealed carry. Very big events that have happened this last week. Now, why this gets so important is to start to understand what is unraveling before you. Right now, our country is in, is in a fight for its life, and the fight is what we're calling Marxism versus basically the constitutional America, the republic. But the mechanism is what's important to see how they're doing this. And again, we're going to go to a Supreme Court ruling here in just a moment. They've been using the federal architecture and using agencies, regulations, and policies as laws to try to impose more control over people's lives, knowing that people probably won't or won't won't be able to challenge it as they slowly nick away at the true sovereign rights of this nation. Again, I go back to the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the key word is they're certain and unalienable, meaning that no one can take them away from us except if we give them away. And that's what they count on. And so with the architecture of this, we're really back to a civil war moment. So I'm going to jump a little bit on a civil war perspective. We'll come back to the EPA ruling, but I want you to hear this perspective. The civil war is highly focused on one theme, and it's the theme of slavery. I want to be clear about something. I think slavery is an absolutely horrific practice. Why it existed in this nation, I don't even know. The fact it was even accepted at any level is unacceptable. That said, when we got to the point of the Civil War, which is around 1865, the division that was happening between North and South was a fight that was happening amongst elites. And it's an important perspective to grab here. Slavery was actually on the, going on the decline in the South. It was economically untenable at the time. And there was a big economic fight raging between the South and the way they did farming and the North that wanted to mechanize food production. Boy, this sounds really familiar, almost like Bill Gates buying up farmland and trying to force people to buy, to go into automated agriculture practices like with vertical agriculture facilities in the cities. Very similar. And it's important to really understand that. But the key, th- that the way that this fight was orchestrated was in my opinion, masterful, the way that it was, the whole war came about being. And, and in my opinion as well, whether one agrees or disagrees, the Civil War was engineered. And it was intended to divide the nation. So at the time, about 1861 actually, if you want to look at where the fight was raging, you had the vocal part of the Southerners, and I'm not going to say the people, I'm just simply going to say Southerners, which is probably more the elite, and their position was mainly like, you can't say that slaves are, are humans and have rights. Very much like the liberals are saying today that you can't say a fetus are humans and have rights. Important to understand the parallels because they're right there. So there was a human aspect to this fight that was very relevant and very important, but slavery as a practice was on the decline. It was economically untenable. I need to go to that. The North then made an incursion. The split happened, the fight happened, and the North and the South, then we look at the Union beginning to divide. I'm giving this as a very kind of high-level, quick overview, and, and people can, you can do your own research, decide if you agree or disagree, and that's up to you. But I've studied this quite a bit, and what's really interesting is what we never talk about is the Tenth Amendment in the Civil War. The Tenth Amendment is critical because it states rights. And as much as we detest slavery, when Lincoln came to power, and we listened to this piece last night, in fact, we'll play it here in a minute, when Lincoln came to power, one of the critical things that happened was that we ended up facing a a moment where he had to look at the saving the union or allowing the union to fall apart. And one of those critical parts of that is that he acknowledged 
an aspect of the Tenth Amendment, which is ultimately the way the constitutional structure was at that time, as abhorrent as this is, slavery was a state's rights issue. I don't agree with it, but that's, it's important to understand this. What then happens is that he doesn't take an action against slavery. When he finally does, which the story, as the story goes, he, he gave that, he did that after he had had an encounter with God, which is profound. What he ends up doing then is he ends up making a position against slavery. He makes a correct moral decision. But in the meantime, what has happened is you have the federal government making a decision to go in and invade the southern states and to put them under federalized control. This was a fight ultimately for states' sovereignty versus federal reach. This goes back to the Federalist Papers, which all 80 plus 84 Federalist Papers talk about that very thing about why they needed a strong federal government and to what limits of power the federal government had. So the Civil War is a very convoluted fight. Absolutely no question about that. It's a, it's a fight that has multi-vectors on it. So what happens now is that we they have managed to, the, the Democrats have glammed, glabbed, grabbed onto that principle of slavery and they've made it the only issue about the Civil War. When in fact, that's not true. It's a multi-issue fight. And I, I just have to stress that point. So, so important. We fast forward to today. What did the Supreme Court just do? Well, one of the things that it did was it undid Roe versus Wade and it took it away from the federal level because in the in the Constitution, guaranteeing abortion is not there. Rather, by virtue of the Constitution, in our constitutional framework, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is. Nowhere in there does it say the right to kill a child. And the Supreme Court then pushed it back to the states and said, this is not a constitutional issue. What's significant about that is they reinforced the 10th Amendment. The same with the issue of Second Amendment rights. They've pushed it back to the states and said, you can't, as a state, take away rights because the Constitution says it's this. This is an area where the federal government does have reach because constitutionally, you can't take away rights on the Second Amendment. And then their latest issue yesterday when they created the EPA ruling, which is very important, is that in the, they went after the EPA's use of regulation as if it was law. What we've been watching is how this insurgency has been working here, which is an extension from what happened in the Civil War. And that's why I'm bringing the two together. You have to understand that what happens in the Civil War is the federal government then claims dominance over the states to have the right to dictate state policies as abhorrent as slavery was. Nonetheless, the, the effect is to take away the power of state sovereignty and to roll it in under a federalist model. So as abhorrent as abortion is, what the Supreme Court has done is they've said it is a state's rights issue. So you can end up with states that allow abortion like this crazy state I live in, which there's 30 red counties and five liberal counties that love the train wreck 
and bisexual train wreck Kate Brown. That's where you have to impart, start activating a county-by-county county strategy. And it's legal to do so. Because then you could have literally states where the, most of the state says they don't want something, and one little power block of the state says they do. That's part of this crazy model that we live in, but it's part of the melting pot. And again, in no way am I endorsing slavery, and in no way am I endorsing abortion. But that's what the Supreme Court has done is absolutely constitutional as our founding fathers intended. What ends up with a civil war is it's very questionable constitutionally because the federal government rolls in and invades the states. And in invading the states, they impose a physical military force and then go further because under Reconstruction, they actually impoverish the South intentionally to punish them. And that's all driven by white, male, wealthy, industrialists of the North that are mad that the South dared not allow them to move forward. In the end, it becomes an economic and 10th Amendment fight in the Civil War, which is what it always was. That same fight is being shaped right before our very eyes right now. You have a liberal progressive left, the liberal world order, as they're calling it now, that sees it's their right to dictate policy to everybody and every state and everything. Part of the VAX mandate, part of the VAX ID pass is to ensure that the Constitution never survives. That through people's free will and the willingness to accept an injection, a willingness to comply with directives that are not law, but policy and regulation and dictates that come off of the desk with emergency powers, people are giving up willfully their sovereign rights and the state is assuming control over everybody's lives. They're backdooring the destruction of the Constitution. And as they backdoor the destruction of the Constitution, they're trying to continue to reach that out and what you have to go back to the principles of how you control things. Henry Kissinger, it's a quote, Control the food, control the people, control the, control the energy or fuel, and control the nation. Control the money, control the world. So they're using all three of those in succession to force people to submit by their free will to a globalized, centralized, totalitarian government where the Constitution then becomes little more than a paper document that's now hung on the wall in memory of and it is dead. Our fight is right there. That's at that juncture right now. So we go back to this headline where it says that people, 25% of Americans are ready to take up arms, realizing that of the 25% they're talking about, only 39% of them even owned a weapon. You're starting to see a massive sentiment shift in the United States and a critical awakening that this is now, we are now being run by a tyranny and that tyranny is a corporate public partnership, meaning public enterprise with publicly funded enterprises like the government, and it's 4,000 appointed directors of 439 agencies and 2.9 million employees that have decided amongst themselves that they can dictate all things to the country. The country should get no rights and the states should get no rights. And that is the alignment that every person on the progressive left has 
So every time they install somebody in power of like mind, like a governor, they now have are in an alignment with the fact that states should have no rights. That's governors and legislatures are willing to abdicate all their responsibilities to the federal government, allowing the federal model to overreach, which what it does is it looks very much like politics when in fact what it is is a political insurgency. We have never lived in our lifetime into a true model of the Constitution, a model where the states have amazing sovereignty and right to choose. And we may not agree with what every state, if their vote actually worked, what every state would agree on. There would be differences between states. But there's certain things that are guaranteed that cannot be different, and that goes back again to the rulings of the Supreme Court on the of both Roe versus Wade, which has pushed that decision back to states' rights, and Second Amendment, which has reaffirmed the federal position of ensuring rights for all of its citizens, and Second Amendment is specific. And furthermore, it's gone and attacked, basically dismantled, the EPA, because the EPA has had too much power to dictate to industry, private business, and private citizens on what it can do, not using laws that Congress passed, but using regulation and policy. That's how they've run this fight against us. They have made the attack on the people, threatening people, coercing people, pushing people to the point where they will comply out of fear, sending people illegal taxations, all sorts of things like this that are causing them un- unnecessary stress and pressure, and they have ultimately cave in. Take a listen to this 30-second piece. This is from Lindsey Graham, not the, not the Lindsey Graham on Capitol Hill. This is Lindsey Graham, the hairdresser in Salem, Oregon, who kept her salon open during the COVID crisis, and listen to how OSHA is now attacking her. Case anyone wanted an update on my case with Oregon OSHA from 2020, I was issued a $14,000 citation for opening against the mandates. I refuse to pay it. I've paid $30,000 to an attorney fighting it. I refuse to fight it anymore. I refuse to pay it. I have now been issued a demand for payment. If I do not pay $14,058 to the state of Oregon by July 6th, they will garnish my bank account and possibly take my home. That's how the left fights. Because this is a fight where literally they're using the the apparatuses of policy and regulation to impose upon you. If you remember the interview we did a number of weeks ago, or we had here a number of weeks ago with Mark Baker, Mark Baker had the same attack come on his farm when they told him he could not raise pigs. And he fought that using the Fifth Amendment, which is an interesting attack. We'll go over that more through the weekend. But the Fifth Amendment basically said that he was not obliged to obey anything that was not a law. That's a summation of what he was explaining. Again, the Supreme Court just affirmed that, that we do not, that agencies do not have the right to extend beyond their congressional, congressionally authorized powers of enforcing laws and not creating policies that work the same. The potential of the FDA ruling or the EPA ruling, excuse me, by the Supreme Court is that almost every federal agency can now be dismantled or at least challenged in court. It's huge. This is 
a good example here of the of the scope of the EPA given to you by a very <laughs> by a very triggered progressive lefty. He's having a hard day. Republican Supreme Court just ruled against the EPA in a 6-3 vote. They just stated that the Environmental Protection Agency does not have the authority to regulate the amount of climate pollution produced by power plants. Let me simplify that into layman's terms. Now, any industry can burn as many fossil fuels as they please with impunity. The EPA used to be able to curb and mitigate the amount of fossil fuels that were burned because that is the number one cause of global warming, but the Republicans have just overruled it. They've taken all power away from the EPA to please their big oil donors and the fossil fuel industry. Guys, if you needed any more of a motivation to vote for the Democrats this November, well, let this be it, because now not only is our country in jeopardy, but the entire planet Earth is being held hostage by six Republican Supreme Court justices. Get out and vote, guys. Get out and vote. He should read the Constitution. It might help before he goes on a rant and makes himself look stupid. But the bottom line is that he's wrong. has nothing to do with oil donors. And has everything to do with what's constitutionally correct, but it's not convenient and it's not a convenient truth. So the other part, of course, we know is that the whole world now is apparently at being held in blackmail because why? Because we who are actually one of the lower polluting countries in the entire world are now going to allow polluters to go crazy. But don't mention China, please don't mention China because I'm sure they're okay. The hypocrisy is amazing, but it centers around again to the lack of understanding of what's going on in our Constitution. And the Constitution is actually very clear. And the war that they've been waging is extremely clear when you understand that they have been waging a war on intelligence, on physically and mentally dumbing people down and keeping away from the knowledge of civics and how our government works. Because if you really understand how the government works and understand where the rules are, you begin to understand where the real fights are. I've been saying since last Friday, the real fight now with Roe versus Wade is going to be at the state level and at the county level. And if we're really going to be diligent about securing that, then you don't just want to accept that the state will pass a pro-abortion or anti-abortion position, hopefully anti-abortion, but my, my point is saying that is if your state is pro-abortion, like Oregon, where I'm at, then you need to counter that by creating counties that are going to be anti-abortion. And you need to start that momentum so that you can take advantage of the county's power, even though with the corrupt election system that we have, big blo- voter blocks like Portland will always manage to swing the vote because You'll either get their additional 2,000 mules, but they always have their algorithm. So we have to find ways to fight back, and understanding the process is critical. We are in a very unique position in, in this time because we're very much like we were back at the beginning of our nation. And that's why I mentioned the Gadsden flag, which is the flag of don't tread on me. This is really where we began And it was a design that was actually in 1775 during the American Revolution. And it was later used by the Continental Marines. And it's a very important principle to grasp that sense because at the time of the American Revolution, as to understand the term three percenter, as we all know, 
that was the representative of the people that really fought for the, the, the independence of the nation. And that was a big fight. They ended up swinging, obviously, the majority of the population, but 3% was what really represented those that took up arms. So I go back to where I began tonight. 25% of Americans are at a point where they feel that it is necessary to overthrow this government. Not 3%, 25. What's the real number on that? Something like 82 million people. A quarter of the nation is fed up. We're tired. We're, we don't have trust in the government that anything will change. And that's a massive statement. It's also a massive risk. And this is the caution. Because... That statistic may feel good, but it's also exactly where they're going to try to stick the knife to trigger a civil war. Remember, they designed the civil war so that we would fight each other, states would lose rights, and in the end, they would leave us indelible scar on this nation that we'd never get over. It is absolutely essential that we hold the line here, keep our head, because that type of statistic Again, while it's a positive statistic to understand the trust in the government, it's a big negative if they're able to trip this when right now the only enemy we would see would be those of a political class. I don't like Antifa's views. I don't like BLM's views. I don't like Marxist views. But unless there's violence openly given to me or to this nation or unless they are openly violent types, they are still have that right to demonstrate their views. We all understand that there is a deep, seditious part of them that is doing everything they can to burn this nation down. They are enemy of the state. Don't, don't even think that I don't believe that. But as a nation that is on the cusp of, of being so frustrated that there's enough people willing to start taking up arms, the question I will always ask and pose is, who is your enemy? And right now, our enemy is still not defined. Sure, we can talk about elites and we can talk about they and them. Nice pronouns. But we don't have faces on many. And it's very important that we continue to hold the line and elevate up truth and awareness in this nation to build unity among ourselves and our tribes and our communities. Keeping very vigilant on protecting our homes but not getting the wild ideas that we need to launch into some sort of crazy overthrow because that's not going to meet good ends. So this is a time for calm. This is a time for level-headedness. This is a good weekend to remember all the sacrifices that were made for this great nation and how we got here and all the masterful writings and rules or, or rights that we were given by our founding fathers. The First Amendment is there for a reason. We have not ex exhausted it yet. I'm in agreement with what Juan said, that we walk a very dangerous path right now because as we approach 2022, people are tired. They don't want to see another hijack, and I can guarantee you they're going to try because they don't believe that we can hold it together. They don't believe that we can keep a focus and really discover who they are. That has to happen. We need to get clear on what they are. And I go back to some important numbers that I said at the beginning. There's 4,000 posts that are appointed by the executive branch. They're involved in leading 432 agencies and 2.9 million 
people in the government. Not every one of those people is bad. And not everybody on Wall Street is a crook. But that's the whole thing. They nest themselves at the various levels, and that's why working at a local level is so important in identifying who these people are, what they stand for, and why they are doing what they're doing to undo our nation. And they need to be removed. That's the political process that we have. That's the activism that makes this work. It's an activism that must be backed by the strength of our Constitution at every level and in every amendment to make sure that it is executed perfectly and that every county is secured back to a constitutional framework with the foundation of our Declaration of Independence. Patriots, on this fourth weekend as we head into it, I want to play a very beautiful piece here. It's two minutes and 43 seconds. This is a testimony of what someone is seeing now. It's a little bit heart-wrenching of a man who served in World War II. He's massively awarded for all that he's done. He's over 100 years old. I don't know. I've I've lived a good life. I've had a, a lot, a lot of happiness. Happiness. Smiling. Telling everybody that everything was beautiful every day. If I went into my church and didn't say everything was beautiful, they'd think I was sick. And, I, and I'm not that way. I mean, I'm a, uh, I, I sincerely believe in this old world that everything is beautiful. I mean, if I see, if I wake up in the morning and see these plants out here and, they, and all those flowers that are in there and the green grass on the, on the ground, that's beautiful. And people don't realize what they have. They bitch about it. And then nowadays, I am so upset that the things we did and the things we fought for and the boys that died for it, it's all gone down the drain. Our country's gone to hell in a handbasket. We haven't got the country we had when I was raised. Not at all. Nobody will have the fun I had. Nobody will have the opportunity I had. It's just not the same. That's not what I boys. That's not what they died for. I just... It's just, just not it. I'm so sorry. I'll be all right. Just takes me time to get over it. I just, I, why, why me? See, sitting here like this, see, all this going on. It's crazy. It's just, Emily is just, just not. It's just not the same. That isn't what we fought for. Oh well. I should be worried about it, I guess. I'm a hundred years old, they say. That one will be my fight. I I worry about it. Yes, I worry. That will be my fight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, you you just remember everything's beautiful. And and live every day to the fullest. Just, Just enjoy everything you possibly can. That's our fight. That's our legacy. This nation cannot fall. And it won't. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're humbled today very deeply by the testimony of somebody who has given his all, given his life in spirit, in effort, and given his life to see so many of his brethren fall for the protection and defense of a belief in something that you gave us, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Father, we now pray for those to rise, the strength of the warriors to be known, to put their feet on that rock of faith, to stand boldly now with the sword of the Spirit, to holster the sword of steel, and to stand now and wait for your call, to never bow, to confront this evil where need be, and at all costs to never give in and never relent in the protection and defense of this great nation. We've made many mistakes by the hand of a government and an evil group that has railroaded people into dark ends. Sadly, people have made very unfortunate mistakes, decisions, and they've been persuaded to follow the religions of me. But Father, we're a good people. We pray for mercy. And there's a great many out here that have awakened to the true love and relationship with you. In this day, in this weekend, let us be reminded of what it is to be American, what it is to be your children, what it is to be the city with the light on the hill. Let us rise again. Give us strength to walk. Give us strength to run. Give us strength to conquer the evil that sits before us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, there's a lot at stake in the coming weeks and months. I've said this many times. You have to step away from any sort of sense of immediate worship or capitulation just simply because someone's in a uniform. This nation was not built on people of a professional soldier class. This nation was built on patriots that embraced the love of God, that embraced the true principles of liberty, and they understood what it took. It was a commitment for life. Question everything. Put people to the test. You have to know where they stand, whether it's a soldier, whether it's a police officer, whether it's a first responder, a person in government, your best friend. We have to be clear that our position is unwavering on certain aspects. This nation must return to the Constitution as it was designed, and we can build from there. Yes, it's imperfect. But we were in an experiment and always will be. But that does not change the principal fact that we were a nation built under the throne of God and government was under our feet, not we were under theirs. That must return once again. And the only way that begins is under the banner of Jesus. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We need a lot of strength right now and a lot of people to wake up. And we need prayers for all of them. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Patriots, we are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. 
mission forward. I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. 
we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.